Chapter Thirteen of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: Preparations. The Chouette returned to the room, bringing the cigars with her. I don't think it rains now," said Rodolph, lighting his cigar. "Suppose we go and fetch the coach ourselves. It will stretch our legs." "What? Not rain?" replied the schoolmaster. "Are you blind?" do you think i will expose finette to the chance of catching cold and exposing her precious life and spoiling her new shawl you are right old fellow it rains cats and dogs let the servant come and we can pay him and desire him to fetch us a coach replied rodolph that's the most sensible thing you have said yet young fellow we may go and look about as we seek the allée des veuves the servant entered and rodolph gave her five francs ah sir it is really an imposition i cannot allow it exclaimed the schoolmaster oh all right your turn next time be it so but on condition that i shall offer you something by and by in a little cabaret in the champs elysees a capital little snuggery that i know of just as you like the servant paid and they left the room rodolph wished to go last but out of politeness to the chouette but the schoolmaster would not allow it and followed close on his heels watching his every movement the master of the house kept a wine-shop also and amongst other drinkers a charcoal man with his face blackened and his large hat flapping over his eyes was paying his shot at the bar when these three personages appeared in spite of the close lookout of the schoolmaster and the one-eyed hag rodolph who had walked before the hideous pair exchanged a rapid and unperceived glance with murphy as he got into the hackney coach which way am i to go master asked the driver rodolph replied in a loud voice allez des des acacias in the bois de boulogne cried the schoolmaster interrupting him then he added and we will pay you well coachman the door was shut what the devil made you bawl out which way we were going before these people said the schoolmaster if the thing were found out to-morrow we might be traced and discovered young man young man you are very imprudent the coach was already in motion rodolph answered true i did not think of that but with my cigar i shall smoke you like herrings let us have a window open and joining the action to the words rodolph with much dexterity let fall outside the window the morsel of paper folded very small on which he had hastily written a few words in pencil under his blouse the schoolmaster's glance was so quick that in spite of the calmness of rodolph's features the ruffian detected some expression of triumph for putting his head out of the window he called out to the driver whip behind whip behind there is some one getting up at the back of the coach the coach stopped and the driver standing on his seat looked back and said no master there is no one there parbleu i will look myself replied the schoolmaster jumping out into the street not seeing any person or anything for since rodolph had dropped the paper the coach had gone on several yards the schoolmaster thought he was mistaken you will laugh at me he said as he resumed his seat but i don't know why i thought some one was following us the coach at this moment turned round a corner and murphy who had not lost sight of it with his eyes and had seen rodolph's manoeuvre ran and picked up the little note which had fallen into a crevice between two of the paving-stones at the end of a quarter of an hour the schoolmaster said to the driver of the hackney-coach 
my man we have changed our minds drive to the place de la madeleine rodolph looked at him with astonishment all right young man from hence we may go to a thousand different places if they seek to track us hereafter the deposition of the coachman will not be of the slightest service to them at the moment when the coach was approaching the barrier a tall man clothed in a long white riding-coat with his hat drawn over his eyes and whose complexion appeared of a deep brown passed rapidly along the road stooping over the neck of a high splendid hunter which trotted with extraordinary speed a good horse and a good rider said rodolph leaning forward to the door of the coach and following murphy for it was he with his eyes what a pace that stout man goes did you see him ma foi he passed so very quickly said the schoolmaster that i did not remark him rodolph calmly concealed his satisfaction murphy had doubtless deciphered the almost hieroglyphic characters of the note which he had dropped and which had escaped the vigilance of the schoolmaster certain that the coach was not followed he had become more assured and desirous of imitating the chouette who slept or rather pretended to sleep he said to rodolph excuse me young man but the motion of the coach always produces a singular effect on me it sends me off to sleep like a child the ruffian under the guise of assumed sleep thought to examine whether the physiognomy of his companion betrayed any emotion but rodolph was on his guard and replied i rose so early that i feel sleepy and will have a nap too he shut his eyes and very soon the hard breathing of the schoolmaster and the chouette who snored in chorus so completely deceived rodolph that thinking his companion sound asleep he half opened his eyes the schoolmaster and the chouette in spite of their loud snoring had their eyes open and were exchanging some mysterious signs by means of their fingers curiously placed or bent in the palms of their hands the brigand no doubt perceived by some almost imperceptible sign that rodolph was not asleep and said in a laughing tone ah ha comrade what you were trying your friends were you that can't astonish you who sleep with your eyes open i who that's different young man i am a sonambulist the hackney-coach stopped in the place de la madeleine the rain had ceased for a moment but the clouds driven by the violence of the wind were so dark and so low that it was almost night in appearance rodolph the chouette and the schoolmaster went towards the cour de la reine young man i have an idea which is not a bad one said the robber what is it to ascertain if all that you have told us respecting the interior of the house in the allée des Veuves is true you surely will not go there now under any circumstances it would awaken suspicion i am not such a flat as that young fellow but why have i a wife whose name is finette the chouette drew up her head do you see her young man why she looks like a war-horse when he hears the blast of the trumpet you mean to send her as a lookout precisely so number seventeen allée des veuves isn't it my man cried the chouette impatiently make yourself easy i have but one eye but that is a good one do you see young man do you see she is all impatience to be at work if she manages cleverly to get into the house i do not think your idea a bad one take the umbrella fourline in half an hour i will be here again and you shall see what i will do said the chouette one moment finette we are going down to the bleeding heart only two steps from here 
if the little tortillard cripple is there you had better take him with you he will remain outside on the watch whilst you go inside the house you are right little tortillard is as cunning as a fox he is not ten years of age and yet it was he who the other day a signal from the schoolmaster interrupted the chouette what does the bleeding heart mean it is an odd sign for a cabaret asked rodolph you must complain to the landlord what is his name the landlord of the bleeding heart yes what is that to you he never asked the names of his customers but still call him what you like peter thomas christopher or barnabas he will answer to any and all but here we are and it's time we were for the rain is coming down again in floods and how the river roars it has almost become a torrent why look at it two more days of such rain and the water will overflow the arches of the bridge you say that we are there but where the devil is the cabaret i do not see any house here certainly not if you look round about you where should i look then at your feet at my feet yes and whereabouts here look do you see the roof mind and don't step upon it rodolph had not remarked one of those subterraneans which used to be seen some years since in certain spots in the champs-elysees and particularly near the cour de la reine a flight of steps cut out of the damp and greasy ground led to the bottom of this sort of deep ditch against one end of which cut perpendicularly leaned a low mean dilapidated hovel its roof covered with moss-covered tiles was scarcely so high as the ground on which rodolph was standing two or three outbuildings constructed of worm-eaten planks serving as cellar woodhouse and rabbit hutches surrounded this wretched den a narrow path which extended along this ditch led from the stairs to the door of the hut the rest of the ground was concealed under a mass of trellis-work which sheltered two rows of clumsy tables fastened to the ground a worn-out iron sign swung heavily backwards and forwards on its creaking hinges and through the rust that covered it might still be seen a red heart pierced with an arrow the sign was supported by a post erected above this cave this real human burrow a thick and moist fog was added to the rain as night approached what think you of this hotel young fellow inquired the schoolmaster why thanks to the torrents that have fallen for the last fortnight it must be deliciously fresh but come on one moment i wish to know if the landlord is in hark the ruffian then thrusting his tongue forcibly against his palate produced a singular noise a sort of guttural sound loud and lengthened something like purr. a similar note came from the depths of the hovel he's there said the schoolmaster pardon me young man respect to the ladies allow the chouette to pass first i follow you mind how you come it's slippery End of chapter thirteen